Joshua chapter 7 and verse 1. But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things. And the anger of the Lord burnt against the people of Israel. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near beth east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about three thousand men went up there from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about thirty-six of their men, and chased them before the gates as far as Shebarim, and struck them at the, at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, he and the elders of Israel. And they put dust on their heads, and and Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? To give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan, O Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? The Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up, consecrate the people and say, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus the Lord God of Israel says, There are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by your tribes. And the tribe that the Lord takes by lot shall come near by clans. And the clan that the Lord takes shall come near by households. And the household that the Lord takes shall come near man by man. And he who is taken with the devoted things shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near, tribe by tribe, 
and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought near the clans of Judah, and the clan of the Zerahites was taken. And he brought near he brought near his household man by man, and Achan the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel, and give praise to him, and tell me now what ye have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar, and two hundred shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing fifty shekels, then I coveted them and took them. And see they are hidden in the earth inside my tent, with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent. And behold, it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. And they took them out of the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all the people of Israel. And they led them down before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah and the silver and the cloak and the bar of gold and his sons and daughters and his oxen and donkeys and sheep and his tent and all that he had. And they brought them up to the valley of Acre. And Joshua said, Why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned him with fire and stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the, deep, the Valley of Acre. I wonder, would you consider yourself a serious person? Some people can take themselves too seriously. Perhaps you can think of someone who's like that. It's hard to even have a joke with them. At times, there's a lot to be said for being able to laugh when perhaps something hasn't gone quite as we expected or planned. But then there are other times, perhaps we're not serious enough. We want to make light of, we want to laugh something over when it absolutely shouldn't be laughed over. We come to chapter 7 in Joshua, and it's a chapter that we absolutely need to take very seriously. It's a chapter about sin. Achan disobeyed God's command. Last week, in chapter 6, we spent um, some time thinking about God's commands to his people as they captured the city of Jericho. We turn back, we see in chapter 6, 18, but you keep yourselves free from the things devoted to destruction lest when you have devoted them you take any devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron shall go into the treasury of the Lord. And the chapter 7 begins, But 
people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. We're told, verse 21, he, he saw them, he coveted them, and he took them. He saw those things and he wanted them. Perhaps he thought he couldn't be happy and content with what God was already giving him. And of course that's the tale as old as time. Because remember in Genesis Eve, the first woman, she saw the fruit, then she desired it, and then she took it. She doubted that what God had had given to her was enough to satisfy her, to bring her contentment, and so she disobeyed, she sinned. And it's tragic here, isn't it? Because we left chapter 6 on a spiritual high, and chapter 7 we are brought right back down to earth. I want to think about this passage this morning under three headings. Firstly, the significance of sin in verses 2 to 15. Then the seriousness of sin, verses 13 to 21. And then finally, salvation from sin, in verses 22 to 26. So firstly, the the significance of sin, in verses 2 to 15. Sin damages relationships with people and with God. And again, if we think back to the beginning of time, Adam and Eve are proof of that. When sin entered, their relationship with each other was distorted. They felt shame, they felt guilt, they became accusing of each other and so forth. And it wasn't long in scripture before we we read about a murder. And the relationship with God was damaged. They were removed from God's presence and blessing. And we see the same here in Joshua 7. The the sin of Achan, it it was significant to to others and to God. See, sin is significant. It brings consequences. Look at verse 2. Similar to Jericho, Joshua sent men to spy out the land. And they returned with with a very positive report And having the confidence of Jericho, they said, we we won't need that many people because there are a few in Ai. Verse 4, so about 3,000 men went up there from the people and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them. And we read, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Now, it's not what we expect, is it? Because the people of Jericho had melted away because of Israel. Now, Israel are melting away because of the people of Ai. Now, why is this? Why are Israel now defeated? Well, we get the answer in verse 1. God's anger is burning against the people of Israel because of Achan's sin. Now notice this, Achan sinned, all Israel experienced consequences. 
He can sin was not just significant for him, but for all Israel. And look, look what it's doing to Joshua. Joshua is in complete despair. Look at verse 6. Now it appears that, that Joshua doesn't know at this point about Achan's sin. But he tore his clothes, he's mourning. He fell on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, he and the elders of Israel. And Joshua cries out to God, why, why have you brought us over the Jordan to destroy us? I mean, we, we could have been content with the other side. And now Israel has turned from their enemies. The Canaanites, that they'll hear of it, they'll surround us and they'll cut off our name from the earth. And God, what will that do for your great name? Now, this is not a similar prayer to God's people grumbling and complaining and worship, or wishing they had been back in Egypt because they didn't trust God. No, Joshua believed in what God was able to do, but, but here he's just simply in sheer and utter despair. He, he's so confused and, and so he cries out to God. Well, God reveals to Joshua what has happened. Israel has sinned. Therefore, verse 12, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. That's what God said in chapter 6, and that is what is happening. They did not obey God's commands concerning the destruction of the devoted things, so they are now experiencing destruction. And then God says, I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. You see, sin has significant consequences in relationships with people. It affects many people. And sin has significant consequences in relationship with God. God said, unless this sin is dealt with, I will not be with you. Which is desperately sad, isn't it? Because all we have looked at so far in Joshua has been emphasizing God's presence and power with his people. God says, if you don't sort out this sin, my presence will not be with you. Sin has significant consequences. It's the same today. Every human being knows that relationships are damaged by sin. Relationships do not thrive on, on sins such as anger or bitterness or, or jealousy. I mean, expressions of anger and bitterness and jealousy, they, they may feel so satisfying in the moment, but we all know that anger and bitterness and je- jealousy and so on, they bring no satisfaction, no joy to relationships. No, relationships are damaged by sin. You can think of someone who, who's grown up in a home with domestic abuse and the consequences of that may last a lifetime. may even last through generations. And today a sin among God's people has significant consequences in the church. And perhaps we can think of believers who, 
who fall into particular sin and it's become public and, and has brought so much hurt and pain to all God's people. And perhaps a, a local church particularly connected with that, that they have needed so much healing and recovery. Or perhaps within a local church, we could say there has been great destruction over seemingly nothing. You know that? A little hurt, a little grievance, just a little bitterness over something very small, and before you know it, relationships are torn apart. See, sin has consequences on God's people. Consequences of sin are never solo. Sin is significant on our relationships with people. And sin that is not dealt with has significant consequences from God, God's anger and God's judgment. And this brings us to to see then the seriousness of sin in verses 13 to 21. As I said, this chapter begins with the anger of the Lord burning against the people of Israel in verse 1. And the chapter ends then with the Lord turning from his anger at verse 26. So all that's within this chapter revolves around the anger of the Lord which is brought by sin. So yes, sin is serious. Sin is a big deal. The sin is not so much serious because of the expression or, or type of sin, but sin is serious because of who we sin against. Achan has sinned against the Lord, the God of all the earth. I want to think about this for a moment. I want you to imagine um, a man who walks by my house regularly, just let's say he's doing his daily walk, And one day he walks past and there's a spider on the ground. And he stands on and kicks it out of the way and continues walking. Well, I probably wouldn't think much about it. But the next day the man is is walking past my house and and this time my, my neighbor's dog is lying on the path. He stamps on the dog and and begins kicking it out of the way so that he can continue walking. Now, when I say this, I'm feeling disturbed by this. I'm going to want to tell my neighbour, and I may report it to appropriate authorities. The next next day, the man is, is walking past my house. Uh, and my child is sitting on, on the path, just, just simply playing with little characters that he has. And when the man comes up to where my child is, he begins to kick him and beat him and just get him out of the way so he can continue walking. Now, of course, when I see this, I'm more than disturbed. I'm totally distraught. You see the point? Sitting against a child is so much more serious than sinning against a spider or even a dog. 
You see, when Achan sinned, or, or, or anyone sins for that matter, they sin against God, the creator of all the earth. It couldn't be more serious. We need to understand who God is and who we sin against. Because only when we understand who we sin against will we understand the true seriousness of our sin. Listen to what Martin Lloyd-Jones says. He says this, You will never make yourself feel that you are a sinner because there is a mechanism in you as a result of sin that will always be defending you against every accusation. We're all on very good terms with ourselves and we can always put up a good case for ourselves. Even if we try to make ourselves feel that that we are sinners, we will never do it. There is only one way to know that we are sinners And that is to have some dim, glimmering conception of God. You see, if you have any concept of God at all and sinning against him, then you will know that sin is serious. If we think about what has just happened here in Joshua, I mean, these, these people have had a huge victory And yet all the focus now comes on on this sin. All is on hold until this sin is dealt with. And verses 13 to 15, um, God gives Joshua instructions for how to deal with this sin. So God is going to reveal the man who is responsible for this sin. And then verse 15, He who is taken with the devoted things shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel. Sin against God is serious. And so there are serious, severe measures to deal with sin. We should take sin seriously in our own lives. Perhaps often we don't because... We think our sins aren't that bad. You see, the point is not how bad your sin is, but who you sin against. Jesus taught us in Matthew 5 of the seriousness of sin. Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And he says, if your right hand causes you to sin... Cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. And again, you see the point. Sin is serious. And as believers, we know our sin. We, we have some idea of the depth of our sin. We, we know who God is. We have some concept of God. So we should deal with sin in a serious way way. We have the body of Christ to help us do this. I mean, we love each other as the family of God. We, we look out for each other. 
And to look out for each other is to do all we can to protect each other from sin. We know it's serious. We know it has consequences. And as believers, we take very seriously the sin of those who do not have a relationship with God. We know the consequence of that sin if it is not dealt with. And so we we should be driven in love to help others see their sin against God. God exposed the sin of Achan. And that's important because until sin is exposed and recognized, it cannot be dealt with. Which brings us to our last point, and that is salvation from sin, verses 22 to 26. So we see that sin has brought God's anger, and sin must be punished to to appease or to satisfy or to turn the Lord from his anger. Laban's sin was exposed. Uh, Joshua sent two messengers to find out what Achan had taken. And they brought Achan, his family, and all that he had, and brought them up to the valley of Acre, verse 24, or the valley of trouble. And Joshua said, verse 25, why did you bring this trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire. The punishment was severe, and it was total. You know, if the city of Jericho was destroyed with all its disbelieving, disobedient people, so this Israelite was destroyed because of his disbelief and disobedience. See, God shows no partiality. I think it's helpful to compare Achan with Rahab, who we thought about. See, Achan was an Israelite who disbelieved and disobeyed and so was destroyed, became like an enemy. Rahab was a pagan who believed in God, was obedient to God, and so was, was delivered, became of God's own family. When they raised over Achan a heap of great stones, that remains to this day, verse 26. Now you may remember in chapter 4, there was a stone memorial to the people of, of, of the wonders the Lord had worked for them that they could see. And here is another stone reminder, this time, of the significance and the seriousness of sin and the Lord's judgment upon that. Now once the punishment was complete, then the Lord turned from his burning anger. And as we go into chapter 8, next week we will see God's people then went on to have victory at I. But before they had victory, sin had to be dealt with. In Hosea, in the Bible, the prophet, we have a, a great picture of God's unending love and faithfulness to his people. In Hosea chapter 2, 14, we read this, Therefore, 
Behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. That is God speaking about his people. And there I will give her vineyards and make the valley of Acre, which we say is valley of trouble, a door of hope. And we see here that although there was trouble, there would be hope of salvation from sin. Sin brings God's anger. Everyone from Adam and Eve has sinned. Everyone has been unable to not sin. And this means that God's anger is burning against us. We are God's enemies. Paul says in Ephesians, we were by nature children of, of wrath the rest of mankind. And the only way we can be saved from God's anger or wrath is for that anger to be appeased or satisfied and turned away. And this brings us to good news because Jesus Christ died on the cross to take God's wrath and anger and to turn it away from us. If you want to know the true significance and seriousness of your sin, then look to the cross of Jesus Christ. If you want to know the extent of God's love and mercy and his desire to save and restore you, then look to the cross of Jesus Christ. See, by faith in Jesus Christ, God's anger is turned away from us forever. We are forgiven every sin, past, present and future. We are brought into relationship with God. We become his family. We are saved from the power of sin. We are saved from the punishment of sin. And one day we will be saved from the presence of sin. We will not be able to sin. We will not know any consequence of sin. You see, salvation in Jesus Christ is final and complete. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. You say, why why spend so much time talking about sin? Why be so serious? Because without sin being exposed, we will never know our need to be saved from sin. We read in John, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, that is if we recognize our sin and our need of Jesus, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God will show no partiality. God will forgive and welcome all who come to him. God is faithful. To close this morning, I I want to read um, just other words from Hosea. This time, Hosea chapter 11, verses 8 um, and 9. And again, God's speaking about Israel, about his people. And he says this, How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma, 
How can I make you like Zeboim? Those were cities that were destroyed. And God says, my heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. Listen to this. I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst. And I will not come in wrath. There is such comfort and assurance from what God says here. See, once you are his, once you have been brought into relationship with him by faith in Jesus Christ, God's anger and wrath will never be directed towards you. There is nothing you can do that will stir God's anger up again towards you because his anger at your sin was all directed at the sinless one on the cross. And you see, this isn't naturally what we think. Because even though we know we belong to God, I, we, we think, well, if we sin again, surely God will be angry again because that's how we work as humans. Our love and our forgiveness is so limited. God says, I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst. And when we hear Holy One, we expect God to say, I am the Holy One, I will come in wrath. But what does God say? I am the Holy One in your midst, I will not come in wrath. See, when God's children come to him again, and again in their sin, he is not angry, but quite the opposite. His heart recoils, he is moved, and he is stirred. What is stirred in God is compassion. And his compassion grows warm and tender towards his people. The more we come to him, the more God's compassion is stirred towards us. God is faithful. Let us pray. Our Father, we come to you again this morning and Again, thanking you for Jesus, thanking you for sins forgiven, thanking you for the hope of heaven, the hope of life, unable to sin and without its consequences. What a thought that is. Father, as we continue towards that day, as your people, may we encourage each other in our battle against sin. In love, May we desire to show others who do not know you, just to show them their sin and what that means and to be able to point them to Jesus Christ, the one who can give them salvation from sin. Our God, help us to grasp who you are this morning, that we might praise you and that we might glorify you.